Good morning to you. I'm not convinced that I was welcome this morning. Good morning to you. Glad that you're with us today. I'm sure hoping that people heal up from COVID. Last uh, last week, we had about a dozen people that were home because of COVID, either direct uh, contact or recovering from COVID. So keep praying uh, for people in our church, and uh, we hope that we continue to uh, come out and do live worship. A couple of things real quick. Uh, Parents of Sunshine Park kids, pick up your kids downstairs today. I know the policy had been that we get them upstairs, but today, I think moving forward, go down and get your kids uh, after the service is over. And Jake, probably need to turn me down a little bit because I'm whispering right now. I've got a really loud voice and it seems really loud right now. So uh, once I get going, you're going to want to cover your ears. Uh, second thing is, is uh, keep praying for Jeff Totten Score Ministries. Uh, I was actually the, uh, the double-A um, chaplain in Battle Creek. There used to be a, a team in Battle Creek, uh, moved up to Midland, and uh, I was their chaplain. And, and it's hard. Uh, I laugh when I hear him talking about doing chapels for the players. And now that they were doing, this, now they're in the dugout. Uh, trust me, the dugout's better than the locker room. I used to have to do them in the locker room. And it's so hard to do a chapel for guys in their underwear. I mean, literally, they're there in jockstraps and underwears and stuff. And I'm like, this is really hard to preach to this crowd. Uh, and so I appreciate Jeff. And I was surprised that he's doing a, a chapel for the players, then for the coaches, then for the umpires, then for the other team. Uh, I would do two, one for the opposing team and one for the home team. Uh, four chapels, that's a lot. And so keep uh, praying for Jeff. Uh, we'll see if we can't get him here at some point to preach for us uh, so you can see him in person. But I appreciate that. You know, we started this thing, it was called Minute for Missions. And then we realized each one of them were more than a minute. So we went to Moment for Missions. Next time, it's many, many moments for missions. And eventually, I'm afraid it's going to be a minute for a message. Message. I think that's where I think that's where we're heading. But no, we're not complaining about it. I, I told uh, they they were worried about the seven minutes today. And I'm like, no, we haven't heard from Jeff or seen Jeff, so it's good. It's good to, to actually get updated with our missionaries. I hope you're enjoying that. Let's get into win the day. Would you pray with me this morning? Would you say this prayer, God? Since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give God that prayer. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, may you be glorified. May everyone hearing this message be edified. May Satan be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. And are you excited about Ben and Kylie having that thing soon? He called it that thing, right? Yeah? I already put our deacons on notice this morning. We're going to raise the uh, facility budget because we're going to have a youth pastor kid around here. They destroy stuff. I love that. Uh, I love it. So I'm excited about uh, him. I'm excited about Kylie. I'm excited about uh, all of it. I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you this as a church. Uh, ben told me about a month ago, it's like four weeks ago, Ben told me, but told me to keep it quiet. I didn't even tell my wife. That was so hard to keep that secret. So part of them having to share today was like, I just couldn't contain it anymore. And so I'm so excited for them, and they're excited. We're all excited for them. We'll be anticipating great things. Talking about win the day, woo! Way to go, Ben and Kylie. And then nothing to do with that, but the message is called Seed the Clouds. We won't get into that whole seeding the thing, so we're just going to move right on from that. But there are some key habits we've talked about. You were really good at this last week. Let's see if you can do it again. What's that first icon mean? What's that second icon mean? Kiss the wave. Good job. What's that third one? Eat the frog. Good job. That 
fourth one? Fly the kite. The fifth one? The sixth one? Wind the clock was last week. And then this week to wind the whole thing up, seed the clouds. Seed the clouds. It was November 13th, 1946. A guy named Vincent Schaefer. He was a chemist in the clandestine department of General Electric Research Lab. This was a very hidden thing in 1946. He had been experimenting with making snow, making it rain. And so he started in a super sub freezer at GE and he would actually breathe air into it, creating little clouds, and then they would inject certain chemicals, try to make it snow. What well, was on November 13, 1946, from Schenectady, all you New York people. Who's from New York? Anybody from New York? Say it for me. What is it? Schenectady. Okay. Schenectady Airport, County Airport, with a plane. They went up, and with six pounds of dry ice, they threw it into a cumulus cloud, and wouldn't you know it, lo and behold, for 40 miles, you could see the snowfall. It exploded. They said the sky exploded with snow. This is back in 1946 that they did that. That's amazing. Seeding the clouds. Today, if you look up on the internet, I was going to show you a video but I figured we already had one this morning. So go home, Google seeding the clouds. You'll see that out west where they're desperate for snow and rain, they do this all the time. They're throwing things into clouds and trying to get precipitation, snowfall, rainfall. And so seeding the clouds is what we're going to talk about this morning. The big idea is you have to believe big. Everybody say big. And you have to pray bold. Everybody say bold. Prayers of faith. Seed the clouds. By no way am I saying we're manipulating God. There is nothing we do that manipulates our God. But Scripture makes it very clear. God honors some big faith. And he honors some bold prayer. Or the Bible wouldn't be full of the stories that tell us that is true. You have to believe big and pray bold prayers of faith. Do you have faith this morning? Just don't answer it quickly. In your mind, do you have faith in God this morning? What is faith, remember? It's the confidence in what we hope for. It's the assurance of what we do not see. Do you have confidence in what you're hoping and praying for in your life? Do you have assurance that it will take place, that God will come through? Are you trusting in God with big faith, and are you praying bold prayers? Do you consistently go to God about things that only he can change? Are there things in your life that you're asking God to change? Are you trusting in him? And are you praying bold prayers of faith? And are you doing it without quitting? I'm going to encourage you today, if anything, when you leave today, I want to encourage you, don't quit. Don't stop too soon. Don't don't give up waiting for a long time. Pray bold prayers and have faith in God. And we're going to talk about an example of that. In, in Proverbs 29, 18, we have this great verse, where there's no vision, the people will perish. Do you have a vision of God in your life that God is all-powerful? Do you have a vision that what he says he can do? Do you have faith like that? Confidence in prayer. That's what we're hoping for at Oakwood. At Oakwood, we want to be one of our motto, one of our um, measures, dependent upon God through prayer. We as a church, we want to be dependent on God through prayer. When we stop dreaming big dreams, we're in trouble. When we stop trusting in a great big God, we're in trouble. 
God can do great things. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe he can do great things here at Oakwood? Yes, you do. Do you believe God can do great things in your life? I believe, yes, he can. Are you confident in that? This morning, I want you to meet me in 1 Kings, one of my favorite passages to preach. 1 Kings, you meet me there somewhere around chapter 18. I'm going to cheat and go back to 17 for a second. But if you meet me in 1 Kings 18 around verse 17, we will be in a good spot to work through this together. 1 Kings 18. I'm going to start in 1 Kings 17 verse 1, just to get some context. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. I think of the King James as my express word. There's a showdown coming between Ahab and Elijah. Ahab is a wicked king. Ahab uh, started marrying uh, the daughters of Baal prophets. And that's a no-no. I mean, don't marry. Don't intermarry. God told them, keep yourself pure from that. But he married anyway into the daughters of the prophets of Baal. Then he went and built a temple to the prophets of Baal. Then he was building ash for a poles. Ahab was a wicked king. Everybody say wicked king. Matter of fact, his name doesn't mean this, but his name is synonymous with um, angering God. <laughs> That's what Ahab did. He was the best at angering God. As opposed to Elijah, I was doing some study on this, looking at things, and, and Elijah actually is made up of two words, El, Ja. El meaning God, Ja meaning Yahweh. Elijah actually means Yahweh is his God. I love that. I, I never really realized that before, but Elijah Yahweh is his God. Ahab angered God. So we've got this showdown that's coming. And in 1 Kings 18, 1 and 2, you'll see it says, After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Okay. Elijah lets Ahab know in chapter 17, It's not going to rain or even do. <laughs> No moisture until I say so, until I give my express word. Now we've got three years. Everybody say three years. Three. three years go by and God says, okay, you go tell Ahab I'm going to make it rain. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now from here, I was supposed to skip all the way down to verse 41. But 17 through 40, some of the best reading in the scriptures, all right? My favorite story in the Bible where Elijah goes toe-to-toe with the prophets of Baal. So I'm going to read it just for fun. Everybody say just for fun. Let's read it. It, it, it. 1 Kings 18, starting in 17. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? See, Ahab doesn't know Elijah's right name. See, Ahab's calling Elijah the troubler of Israel. Actually, he says, Hey, you, the great hexer of Israel. Uh, by the way, in baseball, Jeff Totten was there. He'll, he'll tell you, baseball players are really superstitious. 
man, they are very, very superstitious. When I used to go, they used to want me to bless the bats all the time. And, and, uh, and then it was bless the gloves from the outfielders. And, and I, I went and told the coach, I'm like, you know, dude, I'll, I'll bless the bats and I'll bless the gloves, but maybe you guys ought to practice a little more because <laughs> it ain't just going to happen. You got to catch the ball. You got to hit the ball. Yeah, but they're very superstitious. What you don't want as a, um, a chaplain for a baseball team is them to get on a losing streak because then they start getting rid of things that are happening. And so they're like, last time we lost on Sunday and Jeff preached a message, we let's get rid of Jeff. So you, you got to watch out that they don't call you the hex. It would be terrible if Totten got the title hexer of Detroit Tigers baseball, right? We don't want that. Ahab calls Elijah the hexer of Israel. You troubler. Elijah's name means my God is Yahweh. And so watch out what's going to happen here. He set the stage. Ahab stepped on it. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah and who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. I want to I stop there just for a little bit. I've studied this a lot. He's actually not the only one left. But he feels like he's the only one left. We're going to find out that prophets are hiding all over the place. <laughs> they've been hiding in cisterns. They've been hiding in wells. They've been hiding in back rooms. They've, they're, they're afraid to get killed. Ahab's been pretty rough and the whole country's against them. And so he feels all alone. You ever feel all alone? Come back next week. We're going to study First Thessalonians. We're going to talk about a big, bold church and how we're together, okay? But he feels all alone. I'm the only one left, he says. Verse 23, get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophet choose one for themselves, let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not to set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call upon the name of your God and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. That'd be a good response, by the way. We ought to end our service with that. Y'all ought to say, what you say is good. That would be, let's try that. Oh, I like that. We might add to, except for these are awful godless Baal worshipers, so let's not follow their example. Verse 25, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God. By the way, are you watching for the small G's and big G's? Very important to see the small G's and big G's. Small G means no God. Big G means Yahweh God. But do not light the fire, he said, verse 26. So they took the bull given to them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Small g. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. All right, sports people. Uh, oh, this is for you, Mr. Boyle. So, Mr. Boyle, 
taunting is biblical. I mean, I like this one. This is a really cool part where God's prophet clearly taunts because the Bible calls it taunt. We got a football coach over here to the left. I just want to let him know. I guess it's okay as long as you do a holy taunt. All right. And I love what Elijah does here. I got to love a prophet with some zing. You know, he, he goes, maybe you should shout a little louder. They've been yelling for hours. They've been screaming, dancing, doing all that they can. Surely he's a God. Maybe he's deep in thought, busy, traveling, sleeping. I love this because they cleaned it up a little bit. The context of actually what he said here at one point was, maybe he's on the toilet and he can't respond right now. That's, that's what it meant by busy. That's what, see, I love how the Bible cleans some things up there. Uh, maybe he's busy. Well, he's busy doing his business. Maybe, and I love that taunt. Where's your God? Why isn't he listening? Is he going to the toilet? Is he, is he traveling maybe? Is he sleeping? And then what happens next becomes sad. I love that part, but in verse 28, so the people shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. How awful. And how silly it looks from heaven to the one real God of people crying out to nobody, nobody, there's nobody there. There is no God but Yahweh. And these people are so sincere, they're, they're shouting and dancing, and then the prophet taunts them, and it gets louder, and this is getting serious now. They're slashing themselves. They're like, well, he'll respond if we just wound ourselves and make the blood flow. And, and now you've got these people probably, if you understand custom, they're probably naked, bleeding, jumping around, screaming and dancing. What a horrific scene as the prophet of the one real God is looking around at this happen. And again, the, in, in verse 29, midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. There's some sad words in Scripture, but twice it said that. No one heard. No one listened. No one answered. Don't forget, we're juxtaposing Baal and Yahweh. We're juxtaposing Elijah and Ahab. And what you see is no one answers, no one listens, no one cares to what we have. God is listening. He does hear you. And He does care. Know that today. Know that So then we have verse 30. Elijah said to the people, come here to me. They came to him and he prepared the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones. We know that that means the 12 tribes of Israel, one for each of the tribe descending from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, you, your name shall be Israel with the stones. He built the altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he arranged the wood and cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Now, I had a pyrotechnics license for a while. I like to blow stuff up. I love fire. I love, I love that. I had to study a big thing and prove to the fire chief of Battle Creek that I knew what I was talking about before he'd let me blow stuff up and light things on fire. And I learned a lot about fire. But one thing I did learn that I didn't learn from the big book, I learned it from being a child. Water ruins fire. It just, water isn't good for fire. You don't go to a campground by dry wood, put it in the, and dump water. You just don't do that. Don't put water where you want fire. Everybody say, don't put water 
where you want fire. All right, you can leave with some good knowledge this morning. Go home with that one. We know that. He has him poured four large jars and it's running all over the, the, the thing that's supposed to be put on fire. And then, do it again. Verse 34, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down the altar and even filled the trench. Oh, can you see this? You got a moat with the thing, and it's just everything's wet, everything's drenched, it's awful. Talk about stacking the deck. Talk about a bold faith, a big faith, and a bold prayer. Now, I want to say this, and I don't know all things. I just know from what we have written in the text here. God told Elijah, go tell Ahab it's going to rain. Okay, that's what we know happened, right? I don't see where God said, here's what I want you to do, Elijah. I want you to get the bull and get the prophets, and I want you to pour water on the... I don't know that God told him to do that. A little dangerous if you ask me. I mean, I would like to read in Scripture that God said, hey, this is going to be great. You go ahead and pour all the water you want on there because I'm going to light it on fire. Instead, Elijah, I, I, I say this carefully, he, he's wholly winging it here. <laughs> he, he, he's really saying, I'm going to show them Yahweh is Yahweh. And he's stacking the deck against himself, soaking this thing. I love that. Talk about big faith. Verse 36, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Verse 37, answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the ground. I like that kind of fire. As a pyrotechnician, that would have been awesome. And then I'd have got sued. Because you, you, you don't want to burn up everything. Did, did I tell you about the time I blew up Sanctus Reel's instruments? That was a big mistake. Yeah, I had a, a band with all their drums and guitars, everything on stands. And I had pyrotech, and we did a pyro test before the concert. And my pyro guy that put, the guy that puts the, I do the charges, but he puts the stuff in at the last second. We don't want live charges around. So we waited. So I, he, he was to go put the stuff in. Well, he put extra. He wanted a big boom that day. And we set off the charges, and it, it blew up the pots, and the pots are made out of cement in metal, and it blew up all the cement and sent it flying. Chunks of cement went into the drums, the guitars, and everything. Thankfully, Sanctus Real at that point wasn't as famous yet, and they were just in college. They were there when it happened, and they went, awesome. It was a pretty big explosion. But you don't want to blow up everything. I like that God is God and he hears, he sees big faith. Everybody say big faith. He hears a bold prayer. Everybody say bold prayer. And he doesn't just answer the prayer to, to burn up the sacrifice. Oh, Yahweh burns up the sacrifice and the wet wood and the wet stones and the soil all around. There's nothing but scorched earth. Don't you want to, as a believer, have big faith and bold prayers where nothing's left but scorched earth because your God touches it? Don't you want to know when you're praying for big things, whew, the hand of God is mighty. Now, this is all for free, this part, because I wasn't even supposed to preach this. 
Verse 39, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, capital G. The Lord, he is God, capital G. Verse 40, the Elijah commanded and seized the prophets of Baal and it gets ugly from there, we'll stop. Verse 41 is where we're going today. Are you with me? SASPD. We're going to talk about some big faith and bold prayer. I think Elijah, Yahweh is his God. I think he's fired up here. And he's been told by God it's going to rain. And so now he's got one more thing that he's going to ask God for. Three years of drought to be ended. So let's look at that. Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. I don't know exactly what happens, but I do like a couple of things that I just read. There's no rain coming. (laughs) There's just no rain coming. And Elijah tells Ahab, you better go eat and drink, because I hear heavy rain. What do, you, what do you mean? We, he's hearing things nobody's even listening for. It hasn't rained in three years, and there's no lightning, there's no thunder, there's no clouds at this point. There's nothing. But he tells Ahab, after destroying all the prophets of Baal, he looks at Ahab and says, you better eat and drink. It's going to rain. Rain's coming down. I hear the sound of a heavy storm. But then he goes up to the Mount Carmel and what does he do? He puts his head between his knees and he begins to pray. Don't you got a picture of the prophet all alone on the top of the mountain going, oh God, what did I do? God, listen to me. I just, I just, I know we did this really cool thing with Baal, but we got one more thing to do. I just told Ahab it was going to rain. And he's praying. He's got his, his head between his knees and he's crying out to God with big faith and a bold prayer. Verse 43, Elijah tells his servants, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. He went up and looked, and there is nothing there, he said. Seven times, everybody says seven times. Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time the servant reported, well, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and get down before the rain stops you. Wow. (laughs) You talk about big faith in a bold prayer. He already told Ahab, I hear the sound of a heavy storm when there was no sound of a heavy storm. There was no storm coming. Nothing. He prays and for seven times, can you imagine how difficult that would be? Hey, go check. There's nothing. Go check again. I just looked, there's nothing. Go check again. (laughs) I won't torture you seven times takes some time it's a long time he keeps doing it he keeps doing and then when the guy comes back and says well now there's a cloud about the size of a man's fist and elijah goes ahab you better get going or you're going to get stuck in the rain i love his faith he's he's got big faith he's asking bold prayers and i love that he trusts in god and then here we have it So Elijah said, Ahab, hit your chair and get down before the rain stops you. Verse 45, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds and the winds rose and the heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, tucking his cloak into his belt. He ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Woo, there's nothing like victory that'll fire you up. Anybody watching a Ryder Cup? 
Man, I love momentum. You ever study momentum in sports? Momentum's a real thing, right, coach? Momentum's a real thing. And, and when momentum starts happening, you, and so here we got Elijah. The prophets of Baal? Yeah, yeah, man, that's awesome. But then he goes head toe to toe and tells Ahab, I want to show you this until I say it. It ain't going to rain. It's going to rain when I say it. And then he, big faith, bold prayer, and then the rain comes. And Ahab's trying to get to Jezreel in this big storm. But what does Elijah do? The Bible says Elijah tucks his toke into his coat and he runs ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. From what I can tell, it's between 17 and 19 miles. The prophet runs ahead of a chariot in the rain. Adrenaline's real. (laughs) Momentum is real. And uh, uh, Elijah's spiking the ball. He's spiking the ball. Don't you want that big faith and bold prayer in your life? Let's talk about a few things and we'll be done today. So excited about what we see, about how to seed the clouds. How do you seed the clouds? Number one, you got to have prophetic imagination. Everybody say imagination. You got to have prophetic imagination. What is prophetic imagination? It is seeing the invisible, hearing the inaudible, and believing the impossible. That's what we do. Ben said two weeks ago, that's what we do. As believers who trust in a holy God, we have big faith and we pray bold prayers. And we see things that aren't yet. We hear things that aren't yet. And we believe things that everybody else would think there's no possible way. One of the things I think we have a problem with when we don't live this way is we have a hearing problem. A hearing problem. I think his name is Tomatis or something like that. There's an actual thing called Tomatis in the ear. Um, Tomatis was a, um, an opera singer. I read about him this week. And uh, he could hit incredible notes. But as he got older, he started not being able to hit the notes anymore. He couldn't hit them and it bothered him. He went to all sorts of specialists who were trying to solve a vocal problem. And finally, he went to one specialist who realized this isn't a vocal problem at all. You could still hit those notes. The problem was he had a hearing problem. They tested his notes and his notes, I, I don't have it. I think it's like 140 decibels. When he hit certain notes, his big notes, it was louder than a jet airplane taking off. And what they discovered was he'd been doing that for so long. He ruined his own hearing. His voice was that powerful. He ruined his own hearing. So now in his old age with his hearing ruined, he couldn't hit the notes, not because he couldn't vocally, but because he couldn't hear it. You can't hit a note you cannot hear. Today, it's still called tomatus disease in the ear. I think as Christians, we have a a disease too and we stopped hearing God. We're overwhelmed by white noise of our culture. We, We are bombarded with news and fake news and advertisements and social media algorithms which put you in your own echo chamber, by the way. It's awful. People love to get on social media and rant and rave, but they're only ranting and raving to the people who agree to them. And it's, you know, come on, people, wake up. We gotta stop living in a world like this. We're bombarded with so much noise all the time. No wonder we can't hear the still small voice of the Lord. Got to have prophetic imagination, which means we've got to hear from God. We've got to hear from God. We need God ideas in our lives, not just good ideas. This whole series, Win the Day, was to get you off of nothingness and normality to something new. 
and, and it's got to start here with, you got to start by hearing the voice of God. And you need to hear some God ideas, not just good ideas. Hey, all of us, some of us, uh, can lose weight. So we got to do something about it. we got to wind the clock, eat the frog. All those things are great things if you need to lose some weight. God bless you. Go for it. That's a good idea, but maybe not a God idea. There's so many things that need to happen in our lives to move us off bad habits and put us on some good habits or God habits, but we need God ideas first. I must have an ear fine-tuned to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. You're saying, Pastor, how do I get that? Unplug for a while. Get to some quietness. Remember I talked to you earlier about maybe you've got to change your location. Get out of your same old thing, same old day, same old pace, and, and do something new and something quiet. And listen for the voice of God. We need God ideas. And those who don't hear the music think the dancer's mad. (laughs) Don't worry about what people think. If you're trusting in God for something big, and if you're praying bold prayers, people around that don't know Yahweh are going to think you're nuts. Remember how crazy a little bit ago we thought the prophets of Baal were cutting themselves and nobody's there? We're like, that's insanity. Well, people are looking at you and saying, you're crazy. You're trusting God. That's all right. People that don't hear the music think the dancer is mad. I was going to illustrate that today, but I don't want to have you watch me dance. (laughs) Prophetic, number one, prophetic imagination. Uh, I want to say Elijah, I think Elijah had a great imagination. That whole thing with the Baal thing and the fire from heaven and the water, I just think that's pretty cool. And I love the fact that he went up to the top and he put his head between his knees and started praying, oh God, you better do something here because I'm on the spot. He had imagination. The second thing we need to see the clouds is patient persistence. Everybody say persistence. You got to have persistence. I read this week about Honey. I think that's how you say it. Honey, the circle maker. It was in the first century BC, the generation right before Jesus, they had a same situation where it hadn't rained for about three years. They were in another drought. So he's kind of in an Elijah mode. And he, he's somebody that the uh, people of Israel looked at like an Elijah. He was kind of revered. And so the people of Israel, the children of Israel, asked Honey to pray for rain. And so we learned through uh, history of Israel that Honey was a real person. And Honey went and he decided he was going to do something about it. Honey, by the way, it's from history, said that he was enamored with Psalm 126 verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. In short, what this passage is saying, we we couldn't even dream that this would take place, that God would rescue us. Like the children of Israel at the sea, right? Nowhere to go. They're trapped. They couldn't even dream that God was going to build a sidewalk through the sea. And so Honey was enamored with this verse about dreaming, big dreams. And so they asked him to pray, and then we, we hear that this is what Honey prayed. Sovereign Lord, before I tell you this, I've got to tell you what he did. He went up to the mountain, and he took his staff, and he drew a circle. He just drew a circle in the dirt and the sand. And then he knelt down in the circle. And then he prayed this prayer. Sovereign Lord, I swear before your great name that I will not leave this circle until you have mercy upon your children. That's big faith. That's a bold prayer. I don't know how old Honey is, but he better pray God does something quick because I put myself in the circle and I said I'm not going to leave, I swear. Sometimes bold prayer takes persistence. And that's what I want to encourage you about today. Don't quit too soon. 
Don't give up too early. Put your faith in God and be persistent. Do you notice that he says seven times in the passage we just read? Did you, did you, did you see Elijah? Is that any small thing that the, the number seven was chosen? You know throughout Scripture the word seven and the number seven is used over and over again. Let me give you for instance. Abraham bows to the ground seven times in Genesis 33. The priests concentrate, consecrate the altar by sprinkling it seven times in Leviticus. The word of the Lord is like silver refined seven times in Psalm 12. Jesus ups the ante and tells us to forgive not seven times but 70 times seven. But I want to focus on three incidents Israel circles Jericho how many times? Seven times on the seventh day in Joshua 6. Naaman dips himself in the Jordan River how many times? Seven times in 2 Kings 4. And of course, Elijah prays for rain how many times? Seven times. Seven times. If anything today, you've got to learn about persistence. Don't quit too early. Have you heard of counterfactual theory? Counterfactual theory is the theory that asks the questions, what if? I read all those circumstances to you, but counterfactual theory would say, but what if? What if the nation of Israel quit walking around Jericho five times? What would have happened? That's counterfactual theory. We know the facts. We know what actually happened. They marched seven times and the walls fell down. What if they only marched five times? And then somebody said, this is dumb. This is dumb. We walked around five times, nothing happened. We're going home. What, what if? What if Naaman dipped himself four times in the Jordan River and said, this is crazy, I'm just getting all wet. And what if Elijah, praying on the top of that mountain, said to his servant six times, go check again. Go check again. <laughs> I'm wasting my time. He keeps going and nothing's happening. Nothing's going to change. That's where big faith becomes small. That's where bold prayers become wishful thinking. But persistence says all the way. It's honing in a circle on his knees saying, here I am and here I'll be. Have mercy. Is there anything going on in your life where you need to get in the circle and just cry out to God and say, God, do. I need you. And I'm not going to quit. Big faith. Bold prayers. Consistency beats intensity seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Consistency. I've been able to coach basketball in my past, and, and I tell you, I love intensity. Intensity's huge. You've got to have intensity. But give me the guy that can consistently hit a free throw. I love that guy. <laughs> give me the consistent guy who can dribble the ball without traveling. <laughs> give me that guy. Consistency beats intensity. I'm not saying get in the circle and start cutting yourself and dancing around naked. That's what the prophets of Baal thought they had to do to manipulate a God who wasn't a God. I'm not talking about manipulating God at all. I'm talking about knowing who God is and in partnership saying, God, act. Act on my behalf. Have mercy on your child. Please. Big faith. Bold prayers. And lastly, keep asking, seeking, knocking. 
Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Prophetic imagination, patient persistence, and we end with powerful prayer. It's supposed to be bold prayer, but how dare we have two Ps and not have a third P. So we've got powerful. Everybody say powerful. Prayer. Powerful prayer. How do you seed the clouds? It takes all three of these things. You've got to pray things that are beyond your ability, beyond your resources, beyond your imagination. I'm not talking about the silly prayers that we pray. I'm not knocking anybody's prayer, but uh, every Friday night we've got two football teams and probably have Christians on both teams and both teams are in their locker room praying to win the game. What's God supposed to do? <laughs> Somebody's going to lose. We, we pray silly prayers, right? Uh, I'm talking about big, bold prayers. Beyond your ability, beyond your resources, beyond your imagination is how we need to pray. There is no expiration date on love. Everybody say love. There is no expiration date on faith. Everybody say faith. And there is no expiration date on prayer. Everybody say prayer. Are you praying for something? Believing in Jesus' name? Are you praying and believing? Believe big. Pray bold. Are you praying for something? If there's nothing in your life that you're dreaming that big about and praying that big about, then then you need to uh, get some prophetic imagination. You need to hear the still small voice of God. We are all beneficiaries of prayers we know nothing about. Have you ever stopped to think of that? We're all beneficiaries of prayers we know nothing about. When I was a teenager being a, a crazy rebellious, running from God teen, there was a bunch of people that were praying for me that I had no idea. I had a youth pastor who prayed for me. I had a a bus driver who, who prayed for me. I had teachers that after they would quit crying because I made them cry, they would begin to pray for me, that God would get a hold of me. Lila Bijak, Filipino, Little Filipino lady prayed for me. I made that woman cry. She was my teacher, I think in seventh grade. Oh, God bless all seventh grade teachers. Oh, middle school can be rough. I made her cry almost every day in school. And, and one day she took me out in the hallway. I'd been so bad or something, disrupting class. And she took me in the hallway. And I'll never forget Miss B. Jack in, in her Filipino accident, just crying. Daddy Jackson! Daddy Jackson! Daddy Jackson! Oh, you made me so mad! But I pray for you. I pray that God changes you. I can just hear her. She's only like this tall. I'm seventh grade and I'm six foot already, you know, and I'm looking down on her and she's just looking up at me and she goes, I pray God changes you, heart. She looked me in the eye and she said, I know that God could do anything with you if you would just... Let him. I stand here today on the shoulders of people who got in the circle and knelt down and had faith. We all are, whether you know it or not. And so the challenge for you today is to have big faith and to pray bold prayers. Elijah means Yahweh is his God. Is Yahweh your God today? He can do great things. Do you have faith? Will you go to Him and pray bold prayers? Seed the clouds. Elijah seeded the clouds that day. 
Can you imagine God in heaven watching as Elijah's there with his head between his knees saying, oh God, if you don't show up, I'm going to look really silly. Just moments ago, he's like, okay, God, I got all these people here and I put water all over. Sorry, that was my improv. I put water all over this thing. You got to burn it up. Fire rained from heaven. And then moments later, the fire from heaven that produced scorched earth came in the size of a man's fist. And Elijah says, there he is. There he is. Ahab better get going. It's going to rain. He had heard the storm before the storm even was there. I want to be like Elijah, don't you today? Don't you want to have that kind of faith? And pray those kind of bold prayers. Let's have the team come up and close us in a song. I don't know if, if uh, Philip did this on purpose today, but these are the days of Elijah we sang. Did you hear that? And then two of the three songs we sang had the word clouds in it. I was like, Philip, you're nailing it. Because today we're talking about seeding the clouds and Elijah, who Yahweh is his God. Let's pray to be more like Elijah. Father God, I pray we would win the day. God, we, we all want to be consistent and faithful and yet we, we think in, in long terms. God, help us to do it today. Help us to be people of big faith and bold prayers today. Help us to get up tomorrow and to do it all over again because you don't change. You're still capable today and you'll still be capable tomorrow. Help us to know it and to show it with our lives. Help us to be like Elijah And God, I pray that we would see you do marvelous things and bring glory to your name, not our name, not the church's name, but bring glory and honor to your name. May everyone who sees us know that there is a God in heaven and he does hear our cries. He does answer us and he does care in Jesus' name.